Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's podcast for Unheralded News, our topic is Shoot the Messenger, Ignore the Message. We see this all the time, particularly in the case of Israel, where people are defending Israel from all kinds of perspectives and ignoring the humanity of what's going on. Uh, In this particular case, we're going to talk about Reverend Stephen Sizer, who is a vicar of the uh, Anglican Church of England, and he has written extensively on Christian Zionism, a number of books. As many of our listeners may recall, just about a year ago, Stephen Sizer was attacked along with Chuck Carlson of We Hold These Truths in a Zionist website. It's called Hurry Up Harry out of the UK. Well, this is a, another similar attack against Stephen Sizer from this same Hurry Up Harry. It's by a Joseph W. We don't know his last name. But it's in regards to a 12-page publication, well-researched, about child abuse, Palestinian children in Israeli prisons. And it's quite a moving piece. We'll have all the links that you can actually read. We're going to read just a very short excerpt from this. And we also want to read from the website, Jews for Justice for Palestinians, which is a UK group of Jews that support a fair and equitable solution in uh, Israel between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And I'd like just to I can start right here. They believe, this group, Jews for Justice for Palestine, that peace in the Middle East will only come about with mutual recognition and respect and must be seen as just in both sides. Peace requires the end of the illegal occupation and settlement. Violence against citizens is unacceptable. Israel's policies in the West Bank and Gaza are breeding hatred and resentment. It is crucial that Jews speak out for Palestinians' human rights. The humanitarian values of Judaism have been corrupted by the Israeli state's human rights abuses. And who we are, they say Jews for Justice for Palestinians is a network of Jews who are British or live in Britain, practicing and secular, Zionist and not. We oppose Israeli policies that undermine the livelihoods, human, civil, and political rights of the Palestinian people. So this group has come to the defense of Stephen Sizer in his article. And uh, Leslie, why don't you read there uh, just a little bit from their analysis of this, please. One link does not equal anti-Semitism. January 14, 2013, Jews for Justice for Palestinians. The most recent denunciation of Stephen Sizer is in purpose of witch hunting, Its research into who or what is anti-Semitic seems to consist entirely of finding critics of Israel who have inadvertently 
ignorantly, foolishly used material which links to a genuine anti-Semitic website. On January 8th, Harry's Place published Stephen Sizer as an anti-Semitic website. This refers to a long and serious document by Sizer, Child Abuse, Palestinian Children in Israeli Prison. At 12 pages long and some 5,000 words, the only words of note which Harry's Place found were three at the end. Windows into Palestine, WIP. This is an anti-Semitic link. At first sight, WIP is a standard website documenting the abuses of Palestinians' human rights. These and no anti-Semitic links or material feature on its home page. However, if you search, and you have to search, there is a most obnoxious page promoting the Protocols of Elders of Zion, the notorious forgery hoax about a world Jewish conspiracy. Does that one link make a document or a person anti-Semitic. All right, thank you. And as an example, we'd like just to read just a little bit from Stephen's document here because the main thing, ladies and gentlemen, is the concern for what's happening, the unequal treatment of Palestinians by the Israelis. It's been well documented. And so the only way people like this can hide the issue is to, call people names and try to deflect from even looking into what is being actually said. And there's a lot of documentation, including from Israeli Jews. There's a Betzalem, the peace group uh, has done an investigation into this issue. So there's a lot of documentation. Leslie, just re- read a few items from, from the, uh, sure. the report, please. Child abuse, Palestinian children in Israeli prisons. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19:14. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Matthew 18:6. If that is the judgment of Jesus on anyone who causes a child to sin, what do you imagine is his view of those who torture children? DCI Palestine launched a new report, Bound, Blindfolded, and Convicted, Children Held in Military Detention. Defense of Children International, DCI Palestine, launched a new report, Bound, blindfolded, and convicted, children held in military detention. The report is the culmination of four years' work by DCI with the support of the European Union, focusing on verifying reports of ill treatment and torture of children in the Israeli military detention system. The findings of the report are based on 311 sworn affidavits taken from children between January 2008 and January 2012. The report found that there is a systematic pattern of ill treatment, and in some cases torture, of children held in the military detention system, with the majority of the abuse occurring during the first 48 hours. 
The testimonies reveal that most children are arrested from villages located close to the friction points, namely settlements built in violation of international law and roads used by the Israeli army or settlers. The report includes 10 recommendations, which, if implemented, would reduce the level of ill treatment, but no one should be under any illusion that the treatment documented in the report can be eliminated so long as the friction points remain and Palestinian children are treated as second-class individuals. I might add uh, something to this. This is Chuck speaking. I didn't uh, read this whole report because it's very lengthy, but there is an executive summary of it. And uh, when we're talking about the abuse of children, this is very, very severe abuse. All of them, uh, there were, of the 311 that were arrested, that they were studied, there were more than that arrested, but 311 were studied. Almost all of them had their hands tied and were blindfolded, and almost all of them, more than two-thirds of them, reported that they'd been slapped and kicked around and abused in various ways. They all, of course, were, were, were mentally abused, and they went down, they were as young as 12 years old. I thought this was very, uh, this was amazingly interesting. Of the 311, a large number, 188, were arrested between midnight and 5 a.m. So these kids weren't yanked off the street for throwing a rock. Somebody came to their house, kicked the door down, came in after midnight, and drugged them out of their house and took them away. The confessions, most of them confessed. 180 confessed during interrogation. And of those who confessed, most of them signed, more than half of them signed documents that were written in Hebrew when none of these kids read Hebrew. They read Arabic. So the kind of abuse that goes on in these prisons is really beyond our imagination. And there were a lot of pictures in this uh, video taken, and it is extremely depressing. And the very thought of anyone defending this kind of action, no matter what kind of course they take, is amazing. And the fact that they would use the claim of Stephen Sizer's association with anti-Semites to negate the effect of this study, really scientifically done study and documented study, is quite amazing. It shows that they will do anything to avoid being exposed for what they're doing in the, in the Zionist children's prisons in Israel. There was nothing like this in the Soviet prisons, in the Gulag, probably. Okay, good. Well, there's a couple more quotes here, some other good examples that I'm going to have Leslie read, and then we'll start talking about it. Recently, I, Stephen Sizer, visited several families in a village near Bethlehem. We listened to children aged as young as 12 describe their harrowing experiences of repeated child abuse at the hands of Israeli soldiers. One boy, Sammy, aged 12, not his own name, of course, sitting nervously between his parents, described being taken from his bed, blindfolded, coughed and beaten in front of his parents. Surrounded by soldiers, he was forced to sit outside in the cold wearing only his pajamas. Taken to a military base in a nearby settlement, he described being slapped and beaten. In clear breach of Israeli law, he was denied access to his parents or to a lawyer and interrogated until he signed a statement written in Hebrew 
confessing to throwing stones at settlers. Later convicted by an Israeli military court, Sammy spent several months in prison. Sammy's mother told of how Israeli soldiers entered their home around 2 a.m. at night on 42 occasions over a period of 50 days. On one occasion, she woke to find Israeli soldiers with dogs in her bedroom, a woman soldier filming the interrogation. Woken night after night, the family, including the women and children, were repeatedly forced outside in the dark to be interrogated. Sammy's father said he believes the soldiers came to threaten and intimidate them for challenging the theft of village land by nearby illegal Jewish settlement. In August 2011, Defense of Children International published a report, Voices from East Jerusalem, the Situation Facing Palestinian Children, which includes numerous case studies of children abused by the Israeli army. See www.dci-pal.org for more information. Between 500 and 700 Palestinian children are arrested by Israeli soldiers each year, mostly accused of throwing stones. Since 2008, Defense for Children International, DCI, has collected sworn testimonies from 426 minors detained in Israel's military justice system. Their statements show a pattern of nighttime arrests, hands bound with plastic ties, blindfolding, physical and verbal abuse, and threats. About 9% of all those giving affidavits say they were kept in solitary confinement, although there has been a marked increase to 22% in the past six months. Human rights organizations say these patterns of treatment, which are corroborated by a separate study, No Minor Matter, conducted by an Israeli group, B.T. Salem, violate the International Convention on the Rights of the Child, which Israel has ratified, and the Fourth Geneva Convention. All right, thank you. This is a travesty, ladies and gentlemen, and here we have people, including Christians, that are trying to divert the attention from these atrocities going on. We do urge you to watch the video by The Guardian. It's a U.K. paper. They really hit the nail on the head with this documentary. It's just 11 minutes long. Well, this is a travesty, and we expect this type of activity from Zionists to deflect any criticism from them. But unfortunately, many Christian Zionists of many stripes are just as culpable because they hide behind religion, a number of beliefs, one of the people that attacked us last year claimed she wasn't a Christian Zionist, that she was a Reformed Evangelical Christian. But no matter what you are, I think it's a matter of semantics, if you're supporting things like this, certainly you're supporting Zionist. And if you're a Christian, I guess that would make you a Christian Zionist. I and mean, You can argue about the semantics. Mark, would you like to add some comments, please? Well, we have seen a disturbing trend over the last 10 years. Uh, well, and it probably goes back further than that. I don't know the history, but we have Reformed churches who have adopted the eschatology of dispensationalism. 
And when you do that, you create something that cannot be. It's like dry water, because Reformed theology is based on the foundation of the absolute sovereignty of God, and dispensationalism is based on the idea that God failed to set up his kingdom when he wanted to in the first century. So you cannot have the two together. And I have no clue how these people claim to uh, reconcile these two mutually exclusive uh, views of the Bible. As far as a non-Zionist Reformed Christian worried about anti-Semitism, this is also deeply troubling. The word anti-Semitism is virtually meaningless. The definition is apparently controlled by the propaganda arm of the Israeli government and their adjuncts here in the United States and other countries. I'm sure there's one in the Anti-Defamation League's probably uh, uh, everywhere. But they have several convenient definitions on this. I mean, a Semite would be anyone descended from Shem, which would include all Asian peoples of all types, all Arabs, and everything else. So the, to use the word to mean someone that categorically hates all Jews is entirely meaningless, but it is uh, defined in a couple of ways that are so inclusive that it also becomes meaningless again. One would be that any opponent of policies of the Israeli government is anti-Semitic. But the one that concerns us with these articles is the idea of uh, replacement theology, the idea that anyone who believes that any form of modern Judaism is not a legitimate path to be reconciled to God, specifically a Christian who uh, claimed that you needed to accept Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah in order to be saved, would be accused and convicted at the same time of being anti-Semitic because they believe in replacement theology, that Christianity replaced Judaism as a means of being reconciled to God. And presumably it is uh, only acceptable to leave them both as equally viable paths to be reconciled to God. This calls to mind the attitude of Alexander the Great and the ancient Greeks, when they conquered these areas in the Middle East and Asia, they allowed all the local peoples to keep their own religion, and they just added the, the gods from these newly conquered territories into the pantheon of all the Greek gods. This became the foundation of Rome uh, and the Roman Empire and their attitude towards religion, where they allowed all types of religious views as long as you didn't claim to be the only religion or the exclusive religion, which of course, ironically, the Judeans had been teaching this for, for centuries, uh, and they had some reason for doing this, but it brought along many tensions that uh, resulted in the great conflict in AD 70 and then the Bar Kokhba rebellion uh, later. But we now see the attitude in Europe, uh, the United Kingdom, and the United States being exactly what it was in Rome in the first century, that, you know, you can believe whatever you want, just don't criticize anybody else's religion. And so Christians today have to renounce the fundamental tenet of 
their religion that Jesus Christ is the way, uh, the door, the gatekeeper, the shepherd, the Son of God, the Messiah. You cannot really believe that and be acceptable to any of these people. Mark, a question. You you mentioned uh, reform, and Tom said used the word evangelical reform, but is the reform that you're talking about, the reform religion you're talking about, essentially Presbyterian Reformation? Is that, is that no, the nature no. of it, it or... It would be much reform. Well, I would be the theology espoused by the reformers in the 1500s. Um, Calvin is the most famous or infamous, as you were. You have many, many others: uh, Martin Luther, uh, Zwingli, Arminius, Calvin's son-in-law, who differed, you know, strongly. These all fall under the blanket of reformed theologians, or, or the the thinkers who who directly led to reformed thought. Mark, I'm just trying to clarify then, would it be inappropriate to call these traditional uh, Protestants, would that, to clarify who, who we're talking about when we talk about reform, is that reasonable? Well, it, it becomes confusing because most of the churches that were really the standard bearers of reformed theology, like the Presbyterian Church, the Dutch Reformed Church, um, many others, within the last 100 years, have basically become so liberal that they don't really teach that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, much less the, the uh, detailed theology of the Reformers. So the, the traditional standard bearers for Reformed theology are today pretty much out of the picture mainstream Lutheran Church, mainstream Methodist Church, these have all departed, and they make up their own religion as they go, basically. So you've had groups that have had to split off from all of these major denominations and go back to the roots of Reformed theology. So you have like the Orthodox Presbyterian Church that are very much Reformed. Uh, Presbyterian Church of America is another one. I, I don't know all the names of them. You have Anglican churches that have split off in the United States from the Episcopal Church, which is so liberal that it has almost no connection to the Bible or Reformed theology anymore. So it's like a whole second wave now of denominations that are now the standard bearers for uh, what we call classical Reformed theology. But the bottom line here, though, seems uh, the interesting thing is that some of these very liberal churches that deny the divinity of Christ and these kind of things are the very people that we see supporting, you know, the Palestinians that have sympathy. We've gotten so much uh, infighting among Christians that, as we've said time and time again, we kind of turn our back on what Jesus said and we get hung up in all this theological goings-on and so forth, and we forget to look at the suffering people in Palestine and elsewhere in the world. I mean, so we can ignore this uh, tragedy and travesty there while debating all these these issues, which so many people, including this uh, woman that attacked Chuck and Stephen Sizer last year, basically ignores, as we started out, ignores 
the problem. They'd want to deny that there is even a problem there, that the Palestinians are the one and only problem in Israel. And if it weren't for that, well, there, we will, there would be peace. Uh, we, we will tell our listeners that uh, keep listening to us, and we will give you a response to this. We will we'll provide you with what we think is a good uh, good response to this from uh, Christ followers to actually do something about this problem that's, uh, that Mark has laid out so well and Tom has summarized. Okay, well, thank you, everybody. And spread the word, folks. If you hear this, spread this message. It needs to be spread far and wide because it's still a problem that needs to be solved. It's been worked on, the helping the Palestinians from many, many angles, if you will, from atheists to followers of Christ to, to Muslims all over. And so it's a common problem, and we need to work together on this. And I might also mention, if you go to our podcast site, the same site as you're listening to this, there's a wonderful video made in Egypt where an imam visits a Christian church on Christmas. And his message is very powerful. It's a message of reconciliation. I mean, it was just, it moved me to tears to, to hear this. So thank you, and we'll look forward to seeing you again on our next podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.